talk just a minute ago about declaring this over your life. And I just sense that today there's somebody that's here today that's in need of a, of a touch in their body. There's a physical need. You're in need of healing today. And God is able. He's able to do the miracle. He's able to move in that supernatural way, however big, however small. I'm sensing that there's someone that's here today that you're, you're experiencing a conflict or a tension. Maybe it's a relational thing. Maybe it's something in your work or at home. I don't, I don't know exactly what it is, but there's some kind of conflict or tension. It seems like it's never going to go away. It seems like it's just escalating worse and worse, and God's able to move in the middle of that situation. There's someone here today that you have a physical need, not in your body, but just a material need. God is able to provide and, and take care of that need in that situation. I don't know what your need is here today, but across this room, if, if you have a need, maybe it's one of the ones that I mentioned, maybe it's another one, but you say, you know what? I just need God to do something miraculous in my life. I need God to intervene and do something that only he can do. Would you just slip your hand up right all across this place today? I have a need today. There's hands up all across this room. So God, we just pray for you to move in supernatural and miraculous ways across this room. Lord, you see the hands that are raised. You see the accompanying needs. And Lord, I don't have to know each and every one of them for you to know them intimately. You know exactly what's happening. You know exactly what's going on. Lord, I pray for miracles to happen in each and every one of these situations. Lord, I pray for sickness to be healed completely and miraculously in Jesus' name. I pray for tensions and, and conflicts to be resolved supernaturally in ways that didn't seem possible when people walked in here today. I pray for needs to be met, for you to move in a powerful way. We trust you and we thank you for who you are because you're a great God and you are able. You shift and change atmospheres just through your presence. So God, I pray in every situation that your presence would be sensed in a real way. Show up and change hearts and change lives, change atmospheres, draw people to you. We thank you for it. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for the service and for your presence that's here in such a special way today. We pray that you would just speak to hearts and lives as we turn to your word this morning and receive what you have for us from James chapter 3. God, let it be something that encourages us and draws us closer to you. God, convict us of areas that need to be changed or removed from our lives. We just focus our attention on you and what you want to do here today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. To let our worship team know how much you appreciate them leading us and preparing and ushering in the presence of God today. Thank you, guys. If you'll turn with me to James chapter 3, we're continuing our sermon series on the book of James, and this is week 5 out of the 11 weeks, and we're almost uh, halfway through this series. It's, it's been incredible. God's been speaking and doing some powerful things um, in this time and through this. Um, I hope that you've been participating in the reading plan with us. And even if you're hearing about this for the first time today, we have some of these on the table as you leave today. They're also online on our social media. And it's just a reading plan for the summer through the book of James. It goes along with the sermon series uh, that we've been doing. And there's been posts on our social media, our Instagram and our Facebook pages and groups and all that kind of stuff of people just sharing what God's speaking to them through these readings asking questions, sharing uh, insights, and all those kinds of different things. We'd love for you to participate in that. And uh, this next week, 
Uh, we'll be reading James 3, 13 through 18, which goes along with next week's message. So we'd love for you to be a part of that and, uh, and, and uh, interact there. Uh, through the four weeks that we've had, we've talked about trials and tribulations. We've talked about being doers of God's word and not hearers only, which has been a big theme throughout all of James. And week three, one of the examples that he gave was the, uh, the, of uh, uh, partiality and prejudice, and we talked about that. In week three last week, we talked about how faith without works is dead is another big theme that goes along with being doers of God's word. And today, we're looking at the first part of James chapter three, and the topic is one that James has been hinting around all through this letter. And uh, so we've, we've actually covered several of these verses in chapter 1 and chapter 2. We've said, oh, we're not going to spend a lot of time on that. He's going to deal with that more later. Well, we've gotten to the more later part, and uh, we're going we're gonna to talk about it today. You can tell this is a topic that he's had in his mind and he's been wanting to address, but it's not until the beginning of chapter 3 that James really fully develops his thoughts around the topic of the tongue. And so... Uh, the, the title of my message, if, you, if you're a title taker and you have to have one for your notes, you can take notes on the back of your worship guide or if you want to put it, uh, we have an online app that you can follow along with. The title of the message today is Sticks, Stones, and the Power of the Tongue. And that's what we're going to be looking at uh, in James chapter 3, verse 1 through 12 today. James 3, 1 through 12. And this is what it says. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because we, you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Verse 2, we all stumble in many ways. I'm going to stop right there. I'm so thankful that James says that, that we all stumble in many ways. You should underline and highlight that in your Bible, not as a reason for you to uh, use that as a liberty to, to just do whatever you want, uh, but because it's so true, it's so accurate. James, oftentimes in this letter, in this book, he can come across very harsh and black and white, and there's those people that say that James is too legalistic, and he, he preaches an unattainable standard of perfection. But there's some statements like this to let you know that James isn't preaching perfection. He's preaching that when you come to Christ, something has to change. And it's a process that God works in our lives, but there has to be something different in our lives. We're all going to make mistakes, uh, but for the love of God, are you even trying in this area? That's the heart of what James wants to convey. So we'll continue in verse 2. Anyone who's never at fault in what they say is perfect and able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses and make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they're so large and driven by strong winds, they're steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil. And remember, when he talks about world, he's talking about a system that's opposed to God's way. It's a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body and sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being contain the tongue. I'm going to stop again for just a second. You have to know what James is doing here because some people take this wrong. James is, is injecting a very sarcastic humor into the middle of a very serious topic. He's saying, oh, we can go out, we can tame dolphins, we can tame snakes, uh, but we can't control our mouths. We can, we can tame birds and reptiles and all kinds of creatures on earth, but we can't tame our tongue. We can't get our tongue to obey us. Sure, it's probably just untamable. 
Is that the truth of the matter? But sometimes that's the way it seems. He goes on. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Words are powerful. Words are powerful. If you get nothing else out of that passage of Scripture, words are powerful. Was, a worship team was praying and preparing. I was again, kind of sharing with them a little bit about what we're talking about today. And one of the people said, you really don't want to have any friends, do you? And the thing I love about just preaching through the book of James is it's not my choice of what James addresses. Maybe James didn't want to have any friends. Maybe he wasn't scared to address uh, some difficult topics. But I love the way that he addresses this. And we're going to dig into it in a big way today. The English language contains about a million words, almost a million words. Did you know that the average person spends a fifth of their life talking? Now, that's, that's not the overly talkative person. That's the average person. So some of you are like, I don't talk. You don't spend a fifth of your life. You spend like a tenth of your life maybe talking. Some of you are making up for it. Some of you are like, uh, only a fifth? Yeah, right. I spend like half of my life talking. I'm always talking. Sitting here in church and having to listen to you talk and me not be able to talk is killing me right now. The average person spends a fifth of their life talking. If, if all of our words were put into print, a single day's words would fill a 50-page book. And in a year's time, 132 books would be filled with 200 pages each. Now, that's the average. So there's some of you that aren't big talkers. In a year's time, you're thinking that you'd have about only four books. And other of you are like, yeah, 132 books, that, that's, that's my day. That's not, you know, one book in a day isn't enough. Uh, you could fill the whole library in a year's time. We are constantly talking. And then when you add other ways that we talk, our modern uh, forms of communication, text messages, Social media like Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat and more. The emails that we send and receive, the list goes on and on. We're constantly talking, thinking, communicating, and expressing our ideas and our thoughts. One-fifth of our lives. We, we only give God 10%, if that. But yet talking gets 20% of our lives. That's a lot. It's a lot of opportunity to speak good things, positive words, words of encouragement, expressions of blessing and thankfulness but that's also a lot of opportunity to curse i'm not talking here specifically about curse words some people are sweating already and that's that's not a big topic that we're talking about really not the, the point of where james is going today so god can deal with you about that some other time that's another sermon for another day but with 20 percent of our lives being spent on talking and communicating it's not should not be surprising that god's word has something to say about it we can be positive with our words. We can be negative with our words. We can bless. We can curse. We can lift up. We can tear down. That's the power of the words that we speak. James continues to come back to this topic because it's a big issue. And oftentimes, it's a big problem even in the church. No, pastor. Not in the church. Not in our church. That would never happen. There's no problems like gossip in the church. No one that's a part of a church would ever lie. Surely in the church there isn't a problem with people using 
words in an ungodly manner as weapons to cause harm to others. No one here at this church would ever allow anger to motivate them to say things in a hateful manner. Right? Wrong. It happens. Your stuff stinks too. Just like mine, just like everybody else's. Let's be real. We struggle at times, all of us, with controlling our tongues. So I mentioned that James has already alluded to these issues already back in our very first week in James chapter 1, verse 19. He said, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. We're a culture of 24-hour news cycles and incessant need for rumors and gossip. And we can lash out on social media in an instant reaction to someone or something. Our president can express his distaste for something or call someone out on Twitter and 500,000 people can applaud him while 500,000 others call him out and tell him what they think about him in immediate reaction. That's the world that we live in today. But James says everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. James 1.26, he talks about, uh, he says this, those who consider themselves religious... And yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues, deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. We skipped over that when we were in, in the end of James chapter 1. We said, we'll get to it later. Here we are. That's a pretty bold statement. That's a pretty powerful way to look at it. If you consider yourself religious and you don't keep a tight rein on your tongue, you're deceiving yourself and your religion is worthless. James made it clear early on what his views on this topic are. He's very passionate about people not being deceived or deceiving themselves into, into thinking that there's some super spiritual saint whose sin doesn't stink just as bad as everyone else's. He's repeatedly reminding people that if you think you're perfect and anger is controlling you, then you're not as perfect as you think. If you're such a godly person and you treat pe people differently than other people and you discriminate against the people that God loves and that he's called you to love, then you're not as godly as you think that you are. You can pray and speak in tongues all day and night, but if you can't control your tongue when you speak to people in English, then you're deceiving yourself. Your religion is worthless, he says. And remember the big themes that he's trying to drive home. Being doers of the word and not hearers only. Putting faith into action. He's still in that train of thought. And he's saying, if you can't control your tongue, then you're not a doer of the word. Regardless of what you say, regardless of what you hear, regardless of what you read, regardless of the words that you sing off a screen on Sunday morning, if you don't live it out, if you're not able to control your tongue, you're not a doer of the word. That's not faith in action. That's dead faith. Nothing has changed if you don't control your tongue. James reminded his readers just a few paragraphs before that there's a way that we're supposed to speak and act. We're supposed to speak and act in a way that demonstrates that our lives have been changed. Later on in this letter, James will address the topics of slander and quarrels and feuds, judging others by the words that we speak against them. He'll talk about the value of giving someone your word and fulfilling your promises. As big as a of a topic as being doers of the word is in the book of James and putting faith into action is in the book of James, the issue of taming our tongues is right up there. It's 1A. It's, it's the very next thing that James has on his mind. It's a big topic that he addresses throughout the book. Not only is this a, a topic that's important to James, we talked about how James, his teaching, it seems so different, but really he parallels a lot of Jesus' teaching. He parallels a lot of what the scripture teaches in other places. 
This topic is addressed throughout Scripture. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Proverbs 12.18 says, there, are, there is one whose rash words are like swords thrust, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Words are powerful. Words bring life. Words bring death. Words bring healing. Words can wound. How did creation begin? began with words. God spoke and it was. Let there be light and there was light. Let's create man in our own image. God spoke and he created. How many of you have ever been wounded by words? All of us, likely at one point or another in our lives, we've been wounded by words and some of those words can leave long-term hurt. Some of those words have, have destroyed relationships that we've had with other people. They've, they've brought conflict and turmoil in our lives and even uh, amongst family members, there's words that have, have destroyed families. Do you know how many hundreds of young people, school age students, elementary, middle school, and high school age students, even young adults and college students have ended their own lives just in the last few years alone because of words that are spoken. Constant belittling, tearing down, false accusations, insults, attacks, verbal abuse. It happens on social media. It happens in hallways. It happens in hushed tones in their own classrooms. Words matter. The power of life and death, the power to wound, the power to heal. Words can kill. We send out kids to deal with these big issues and we equip them with, with what? Dumb little rhymes that aren't true. Sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt you. What kind of nonsense is that that we're teaching our kids instead of teaching them to really deal with and understand the importance and the power of their words? Whoever wrote that, they, they must have been deaf. There's no way they actually ever heard any words. Because sticks and stones may break our bones, but words will also hurt us. Don't tell your kids that junk. We have to be honest with our kids and teach them about the power of their words. Not only in Proverbs is this addressed, but Jesus said in Luke 6, 45, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. You may ask why this issue of words is such a big deal. Why does God care so much about my words? It's a big deal because it's not just the words that we speak. Words are revealing of our hearts, and God cares about our hearts. What our hearts are full of is what's going to come out of the words that we speak. What are your words revealing about your heart? Are they revealing hatred, unforgiveness, comparison, jealousy? What, what's coming out of your mouth that's revealing deep truths about your heart. Let's break down some of what James is saying in these verses. There's three things particularly that I want to focus in on today. The first thing is accountability. Accountability is the idea that our tongue is our responsibility. <coughs> James starts off this section with something that's kind of a little confusing, almost doesn't seem like it fits, almost like a, a, a dig at some certain people, but, but let's look at what's going on here. He, he's, is he, he says, not many of you should become teachers because you know you will be judged more strictly. There's two things that he's saying here. We have to be careful the things that we claim to be an expert in and that we presume to teach other people because we are going to be accountable and responsible for those things. That's huge. 
And the second thing that he's saying here is we have to be careful who we take advice from. We have to be careful who we listen to. We have to be careful who we allow to speak into our lives. Not every teacher is worth listening to or following to. Not every idea is a good idea. Not every word that's spoken is meant to be applied to our lives. James' concern is not so much with the number of teachers, but the impact of too many people that are talking nonsense and teaching irresponsibly and in loving and unloving ways that don't show the faith that they claim to possess. Abraham Lincoln said it like this, it's better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. Jesus taught in Matthew 12, 36, that we will give an account for every idle word that we speak. Some translations say that for every empty word or every careless word. And also in Luke 12, 48, it says, to, to whom much is given, much is required. When you presume to teach somebody else or, or to put yourself as an expert in something, I'm going to show them, I'm going I'm to instruct them, be careful because you're going to be held accountable for those words that you speak. It's amazing to me how many people get on TV or on the radio and they can conduct a nearly perfect interview. But at the moment that they think that the camera is off, the mic is turned off, the camera is not rolling anymore, they say or do something incredibly dumb, rude, or contrary to what they just portrayed on camera. And inevitably, the camera is rolling and they get exposed. Sometimes it's humorous, sometimes it's not. I'm from the state of Texas. There's a, there's a pretty famous uh, moment where our, our governor, Rick Perry, at one point, our former governor, he thought the camera was off. He thought the mic was shut off. He just finished a serious interview about some important stuff happening in Texas, and he just decided that now that the camera was off and the mic was turned off, that he would just, just have some fun. So what did he do? He just gave double middle fingers to the camera and said, adios, mofos. And that clip has been played and shared and, and uh, circulated because the, the mic was not off and the camera was still rolling. Uh, there's people that have lost their jobs because of things that they did when they thought that the camera was, was turned off and the mic wasn't rolling. How true is that in our lives as well? The mic is always hot and the camera's always rolling. People are watching. Yesterday, as, as we, or Friday, as we were leaving the farmer's market, it always gets crazy out there. We sell kettle corn, so if you ever go to the farmer's market on Fridays, come get some kettle corn from, from New Life, from the Kyle students that are out there as well. But it's always crazy getting set up and getting torn down, getting out of there. We had, we had uh, taken a lot of these cards with us uh, when we were selling kettle corn on Friday, and, and we were handing these out, and they were going like hotcakes. Like I, We were selling a lot of kettle corn, but we were handing out a lot of cards, and people were really excited about Mega Sports Camp. So like for four hours or five hours, we've been telling people, yeah, we're from New Life Church. Come to Mega Sports Camp. It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. And there we are trying to get out of the parking lot, and it's getting really crazy. And uh, sarcastically, we said to each other as we were in the truck and really kind of frustrated with with the traffic and, and parking and all those kinds of things, that the bad thing about inviting people to church for all those hours is that when we get in the car and have to leave, we have to act like Jesus. We're an example to other people. We're going to give an account for our words. Our words are powerful and they're influential to people. Whether we realize it or not, the, the mic's always on, the camera's always rolling. We're, gonna, we're going to give an account for the words that we speak. The second thing that James talks about is awareness. 
And it's the idea that the tongue is powerful and dangerous. And we have to, we have to know that the tongue is powerful and dangerous. James gives three examples of, of things that are small but powerful and potentially dangerous if they're not controlled. The first of those is bits put into the mouths of horses. Now I'm thinking about Wyoming and it's rodeo season, right? If you haven't been to one already in a neighboring town, it's coming to our town. It's going to be close by. It's big rodeo season. And I think about all those bucking broncos and the wild bulls and all the stuff. And I think about how crazy that they can be. But then I think about how those same animals can be tamed. And they can be bridled and they can be controlled. And James talks about how those animals are controlled with a small bit that we put into their mouths. That's a lot of power. To think that something so small could control something so powerful and so potentially dangerous. And as he's talking about the danger uh, of the tongue, he, he's almost referring to, to uh, like a snake. He talks about the poisonous uh, vipers. And throughout scripture, our tongue is compared often to a snake and to, to poison of vipers. The second thing he talks about is a rudder on a ship. It's a small piece of a ship that it controls the entire direction takes the ship wherever the pilot wants to go. Without control of the rudder, the ship is not steered like it should and is out of control. The third example he gives is a forest set on fire by a small spark. You don't need a huge flame to start a large fire. A small spark is all it takes. And it's interesting that with our mouth, we can, we can blow on a fire and encourage it to grow, or we can spit and try to put it out. With our same mouth. James talks about the tongue as a fire and how it sets the whole course of a person's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. The word that they use here is James is writing, the word he uses is a word called Gehenna, the word for hell. And it's it's actually a, a physical place outside the city where they would take and they would burn things that they couldn't dispose of in the city. And, and the, a, a habit or a practice developed of, of taking bodies that were unclaimed or, or of poor people or sick people, and they would take them to Gehenna, and they would burn these dead bodies out there outside the city because there was no one that, that claimed them. There was no one that would bury them. Likely, this is where Jesus' body would have been disposed of if it hadn't been for Joseph stepping in and, and offering a, a, an alternative place. So this is the idea of a word that's often used for hell many times. It's the idea of this, this continually burning fire where, where garbage and junk is thrown, where dead bodies go to be burned. And it's the idea of, of a picture of, of what hell might look like, some earthly comparison of what, what hell would be like. And the reality of what James is saying here is that our tongue is, the, is a favorite tool of the, of the enemy to cause major damage in our lives. If we aren't aware and on guard, our tongues become a tool of the enemy to direct others to hell and it can send us there as well. Several years ago, the church that we worked at, um, we managed a large fireworks superstore. And this, this was not like a stand where you just like plywood and you open up the stand and there you've got a few things for sale. There's a couple sparklers and, and firecrackers. This was like a huge warehouse. Bigger than this entire building. This warehouse had air conditioning, it had bathrooms, it had aisles and aisles and aisles of fireworks that you could buy. Everything from huge explosive fireworks that you could spend hundreds of dollars on one single item, all the way down to like the tiniest little 33 cent crackling balls. Well, we were, we were working this fireworks stand to raise money for students to go to camp, and one of our staff members 
uh, was in charge, and I was gone to a communion service, but I got a call right in the middle of the communion service that I was needed back at the fireworks store immediately that there was an emergency. So there was a fire in the field right next to the fireworks store, and it was related to our fireworks. And by the time I drove the 10 miles from our church to the store, uh, acres had burned. I, I, I'm thinking as I'm getting this phone call from someone that's kind of semi-hysterical, I'm thinking there's a small fire that needs to be dealt with. And as I get in the car, I see this huge plume of smoke from 10 miles away. And I'm like, huh, I wonder what's burning over there. That's a big fire. And as I got closer to the fireworks store, I realized that's the field next to our fireworks superstore that was on fire. By the time I got there, there were multiple fire engines on the scene. And this, this field of acres and acres dozens of acres was on fire and the fire was was not coming toward the fireworks store luckily the wind was pushing it the opposite direction but what it was racing toward was toward was a barn that, that housed ammunition for a gun range because the only thing uh, there was a fireworks stand on one side and a gun range on the other and they had an ammunition barn and either way that this fire went it wasn't going to be good and as the fire spread a fence had burned and a cow got out of its pasture and began to wander and because of the smoke a semi driver had trouble seeing the road and, and the cow and the semi hit the cow and killed the cow so it's just one thing after another is going on there's a fire there's smoke it's burning a fence it's going to an ammunition bar the cow's getting out the semi trucks hitting the cow killing the cow all the news stations were showing up this was this was not a good a great day do you know what caused that fire it wasn't the $200 large firework display that we had. It was a 33 cent crackling ball. Bought by a 14 year old and the kid took it and he lit it and he threw it in a dry field. And then he was embarrassed to tell anybody what was going on. He thought, oh, it'll just go out, it's just a little fire and then it turned in quickly to a big fire. The tongue is dangerous because it's small and powerful like a bit that you put in the mouth of a horse, like a rudder that steers a ship, like a small spark that starts a field on fire. The tongue is dangerous because it's difficult to be tamed. It takes work. It's, it's seemingly impossible. And the tongue is dangerous because it can be used for good or for evil. Small things can cause a lot of damage when they're not properly controlled. We have to be aware that our tongue is a target of the enemy, and if he controls it, if we allow, as, as James says, for our tongue to be set on fire by hell, then it's dangerous. Our tongue will wound, our, our tongue will kill, our words will, will, will destroy. We have to tame the tongue. And it's a nearly impossible task, but we can choose to allow our tongue to be used for good, or we can choose to allow our tongue to be used for evil. We have to be aware of the power and the danger that it can be. And the third thing that James shares with us is the antithesis, this idea that the tongue is contrary. Antithesis means a direct opposition or a contrast to something or someone. So we cannot allow our tongue to be the antithesis of our faith. James says that, our, that we use our tongues to praise God, and then we use it to curse people who have been made in God's image. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing, and this should not be so. This all goes back to the idea that we talked about last week with the fruit of our faith. What is the fruit that's coming out of your life? There should be some evident 
fruit in the words that we speak, that something has changed in our lives, that our lives look like the things that we say we believe. The Bible is clear that bad trees produce bad fruit. Good trees produce good fruit. Fig trees don't produce olives. Good trees don't produce bad fruit. James says that salt springs can't produce fresh water. Bad trees don't produce good fruit. It just doesn't happen. It's not natural way. Is the fruit of your life that's seen by the words that you speak the same as the faith that you claim to have? Or is it contrary to that? Do you claim to love people but spend a lot of time slandering and gossiping about them? Do you say that you value integrity in your life but find yourself compromising your integrity by the words that you speak, by lying words, by false words, by accusations, by negative words? Do you speak life or death? Is negativity in the driver's seat controlling your tongue or is it positive words that you speak? Are you thankful? Do you bless others or do you curse them? Do you find it easier to encourage others or to criticize them? What, what comes naturally to you? James says, you know, none of us is perfect. All of us stumble. The Bible's clear. All have sinned. We all, we all have areas of our lives that we struggle. Sometimes you need to take a, an empty two-liter bottle and you need to fill it up halfway with just plain water and the other half fill it up with vegetable oil. And then shake up that bottle and, and mix those two things together. You know what's going to happen? You can shake that bottle all day long, but as soon as you stop shaking it, the oil and the water are going to separate from each other within just a matter of minutes, maybe even faster than that. Maybe you, you remember that you learned in chemistry class that water and oil are polar opposites of each other because the chemical makeup, it's impossible for them to mix together. Polar opposites don't mix, and that's the exact same idea that James is trying to communicate with this idea of the tongue. There's things that shouldn't come out of the same mouth. Positivity and negativity, blessing and cursing shouldn't come out of the same mouth. They're polar opposites. Out of the same mouths come praise and cursing. This should not be so. With our tongue we praise God and with it we curse people who have been made in God's likeness. These are polar opposites. These don't mix. And if this is what's going on in your life, James knows that his readers would remember how Jesus had said that the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So he's saying if your mouth is full of gossip and slander and evil and cursing and lying and hatred, then your heart is full of that also. And you're just deceiving yourself to think that your religion is anything but worthless. With strong words. You don't have to wonder what's going on inside your heart. Your words reveal it. What are your words revealing about your heart? Is it anger? Is it hurt? Is it hate? Is it offense? Is it jealousy? Is it negativity? Do you always have to prove that you're better than someone else? Oh, you got tickets to the game? You wear your seats, because mine, mine are right down on the sideline. I got sideline passes. How about you? Always have to one-up somebody else. Oh, you got a new car? Oh, it's a Ford. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be caught dead in one, you know? <laughs> what drives your mouth is your heart. So really the question that James is trying to get to here is what's going on in your heart? Just went to uh, Yellowstone this week and, and uh, saw some smoky bear billboards and different things. 
Smokey Bear is a character that was created by the U.S. Forest Service as a part of an advertising campaign to prevent wildfires. And they actually started this campaign during wartime because so many of the firefighters were gone fighting in, in war that, that fires were out of control and they really didn't have a way to put them out. They didn't have people to fight the fires and this was a long time ago and so it definitely didn't have the ways that we have today and we still see how fires can get out of control. But the famous line from Smokey Bear is, is what? Only you can prevent forest fires and then change it to wildfires. Nine out of 10 forest fires are caused by preventable human activity. So during this wartime, during the origin of the campaign, that so many of the firefighters were gone, there weren't enough resources to fight the fires, so they had to, they had to do something to bring an awareness, to, to put an end to this. Smokey the Bear, he helped people own the responsibility for preventing fires. The difference between wildfires that are caused by us in the woods and our tongue and the fire that's caused by that is that you can't tame the tongue. James, James told us so. The only way that you can control a tongue is to change a heart. Because what's in the heart comes out of your tongue. Only you can prevent forest fires, but only God can change a heart. When the gospel identity enters our heart, it transforms not only our heart, it transforms our lives, it transforms our mouths. And that's what James is trying to get at over these last several weeks as we've looked about the fact that we have to be doers of the word and not hearers only. James is saying, you know what, if the gospel enters your life, it transforms you. You're not the same person. You begin to do something differently. When he talked about last week about putting faith into action and how faith, if it's not lived out, it's a dead faith. He's saying when the gospel transforms your life, it causes you to do things that you wouldn't have done before. It causes you to stop doing things that you did before because that faith is alive in your life. It doesn't matter what our old identity may have been. The gospel changes a discourager into an encourager. And so that person doesn't criticize and complain. Instead, they look for the good. It changes an angry person into a person that's full of the joy of the Lord so that person no longer wounds people with words, but they forgive and they speak life. It changes a person with a negative outlook into a person that's full of hope and that person begins to believe the best in other people. A liar becomes a truth teller when the gospel transforms his life. If a person transformed by the gospel encounters someone better than him, he doesn't look for, for ways that he can tear him down. He celebrates and rejoices and encourages that person. But if your identity is not rooted in the gospel and in Jesus Christ himself, if you've not been transformed by your experience with Christ, then your heart is full of evil thoughts and these, these things that are going on that we've talked about today, and that's what's going to come out of your mouth. It's going to be what comes out of your words. It's going to be what guides the ship of your life. Are you angry? Do you struggle with jealousy? Do you point out the weaknesses of others? Are there people that you need to apologize to? Do you need to find some way to get help with one of these areas of your life? You've got to allow God to change your heart and with it, your identity so that the fruit of your life can reflect God's love and God's grace and God's mercy. That should be evident in our lives. Here's what I dreamed for, for New Life Church as I was preparing this message. I wrote these things down. What if New Life Church became a place and a people marked by edification and encouragement? What if we decided to speak only life? What if even now in our heads we make a list of people that we want to speak life into? What if instead of thinking 
uh, about it. We told them what we see God doing in their lives and we encourage them and we build them up and we tell them how God's using them and the, and the potential and the, and the strong areas that we see in them. What if New Life Church was a gossip-free zone? Do you know how to put it into gossip? This is one way that I was taught and I love it. The next time that someone wants to come to you and talk to you about another person that isn't there, just stop them, hold on, pick up your telephone. Let's get there and think, well, what is this guy doing? I'm trying to talk to him about something serious going on. And just call that person on the phone. Just call the person that they're talking to you about on the phone. And, um, and just tell them, let me call the other person because I, I know that they wouldn't want you to feel that way about them. And if there's an issue between the two of you, I would love to help you to resolve it before it gets any worse. And you know what will happen when you do that? That person will find someone else to gossip to. They'll never come to you again, I guarantee you. <laughs> may not stop gossiping, but they won't come to you. What if New Life Church was committed to speaking only the truth to one another, but speaking the truth in love like the Bible directs our lives to do? I don't know how God's speaking to you in your life today, but... I know that I agree with what James says, that we all stumble in many ways when it comes to, to the topic of our tongue. But since the tongue reveals what's in our heart, sometimes we have, to, we have to take an analysis of our hearts and our lives and our actions. They are our actions lining up with what we say we believe. Is, is what's coming out of our mouth what we think is in our heart? And if not, then maybe we need to change our heart. Will you pray with me today? Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for how your spirit is moving and speaking in this service. I'm thankful that you gave us the ability to speak and with our tongue and with our words, we can build up and we can encourage and we can speak life. Lord, we can speak truth and we can share the great things that you've done in our hearts and our lives. We can bless other people. But Lord, along with that comes the choice that we have to make to tame our tongues, to prevent it from being used as a weapon, to prevent it from being used as a tool of the enemy, to tear down and to destroy and to bring negativity and gossip and all those things that can come along with the ability to have free reign of our bodies and our tongue. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us and convict us in our lives if there's an area that we struggle with. God, we all stumble in many ways, but God, I pray that as people who claim to have been redeemed and transformed by your gospel, that we would evaluate our lives and see if there's any area that doesn't line up, that we would understand that we're going to be held accountable for our words. Lord, that we should be aware, just like an awareness of, of fire and all these different things, those small things that can cause great damage, that we would be aware of the power and the danger that we have within our tongue, that we would submit our tongue and our words to you, to the power of your Holy Spirit, and seek daily to use our tongue and our words as a means of blessing and not of cursing God. I pray that our lives would match the things that we say that we believe, that there wouldn't be any conflict between the message that we declare, the truth of your word, and the lives that we live. Speak to us about it. God, if these are stronghold areas that the enemy has already built up in our lives, God, it's a process. I pray that we would begin to put faith into action and begin to see change in our lives. And it doesn't mean that it happens overnight, but God, I pray that you would begin to change our hearts and draw us to you so that we could be people that reflect your love and your grace and your mercy and your truth to a world that's watching, the mic is always on and the camera's always rolling, to a world that's in need and they're looking to see if this Christ that we say that we love and we live for 
changes our hearts and our lives in all. So God, let it be evident in our lives that something is different. And we repent of the areas that we've struggled with and that we failed with our words. God, there may be some people today that we need to contact and reach out to or send them a message to that we need to apologize for the things that we've said or the ways that we've said it. There may be some, some, some difficult things that we have to do as a result of the damage that's been caused by our tongue in, in the past. But God, I pray that that would just be a part of the healing process that you want to bring about in our lives. As we bring ourselves into submission with your word and who you are and what you're doing in our lives. God, we thank you for your word, how it speaks and shines a light on areas of our lives, even difficult areas. But God, it doesn't have to be difficult. It could be a, an area of growth. Lord, we can be people who speak truth, who speak blessing, who speak the positive. We can speak the truth in love, even when there's difficult truths that need to be spoken. God, we, we can do it in a way that builds up and encourages instead of one that tears down. We thank you for it. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you're doing. In your name we pray it. Amen.